You're listening to Catholic Chicago. Ahead, the Archdiocese of Chicago brings you programs about the people, events, and issues that touch our lives. Welcome to Catholic Chicago. Good morning. This is Sister Lavina Francis Panet. I'm a Franciscan Sister of the Sacred Heart. I'm the Coordinator of Religious Vocations Ministries here in the Archdiocese of Chicago through the Office for Religious Agency. And this morning, I would like to just um, give a shout out to all the um, those who are discerning vocations, those who are living out their vocation every day, and also a celebration of the World Day of prayer for vocations on May 8, which is also happens to be Mother's Day. So shout out for mothers out there. And May 1st, which would have been um, last Sunday, uh, would have been the celebration of the Religious Brothers Day. And we have a special guest later on the second uh, half of the show. For now, I would like to welcome our guest. Um, it's Sister Michelle Vincent Fisher, who is a sister of the Holy Family of Nazareth. Welcome from uh, Philly, actually. Welcome, Sister Michelle. Thank you, Sister Lavina. It's a pleasure to be with you today. And uh, we, I, I always tell people, uh, our listeners and our viewers, that uh, as coordinator of Religious Vocations Ministries, I also coordinate what's known as Vocations CAVA, C-A-V-A, and that uh, represents Chicago Archdiocesan Vocation Association. And Sister Michelle is uh, now on your, let's see, so you you did you served for six years as a Kava board member advisory board, and then you have to skip one year, and now she's back. And are you on to? Is this the first year that you're back, or your your second? Second. Oh, oh my goodness! Yeah. So <laughs> I I have a feeling that she's, you know, God willing, gonna be here for another six years because, um, in in a way, um, Sister Michelle has become one of my mentors, and um, because she has had a lot of experience in vocation ministry. So uh, tell us a little bit more about yourself, um, Michelle, and you know your community and all that. Well, I am a sister of the Holy Family of Nazareth, and uh, we are an international community founded in Rome in 1875. We have sisters in 13 different countries on six continents. Um, or five continents, I think. So uh, I'm one of many. Um, I've spent several years uh, living in, in Chicago and working more directly with Kava. But the, the beautiful thing about Kava is that you can be anywhere and be part of this wonderful program. And I had previously served from Philadelphia and now I'm back in Philadelphia and still serving uh, the Archdiocese of Chicago, which um, has no boundaries, I think. Uh, it, it's a beautiful organization to belong to. And um, I, I was just thinking about the title of this radio show, Dare to Love. And I thought, what an appropriate uh, title and expression for um, who we are 
as people of God that, you know, we dare to love the way God loves. And that's wholeheartedly, generously, mercifully. Uh, and that's also what our congregation does. We're, we're modeled on the life of the Holy Trinity, a life of love between Father, Son, and Spirit, and modeled very concretely in the Holy Family, in that daily, ordinary reality of the Holy Family, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. And so we have a charism for and with families that is rooted so deeply in the heart of love. And, and I would say that as a congregation, it is our call to dare to love in all places and all times, and probably in the most ordinary daily ways you can imagine. And Sister Michelle has is multi-talented, and um, what I, I truly get inspired by you is your life of prayer and your creativity. Uh, some of the thing, well, some of the recent things that you've done. Um, you love liturgy, I know that, and you also. Um, there's one thing that I just want to. Um, I, I, okay, I'm going to put you on the spot here. <laughs> In terms of prayer, what I like that you do that really touches me is um, when you send out a card. And, um, you know, whether it's, I think it's either Easter or Christmas, usually Christmas, I believe. And you do your Christmas card and people, you know, uh, I usually do e-cards. <laughs> and it's a beautiful e-card. However, the work that you put in your own in-person, printed, handmade uh, card is different. And can you tell us um, and share out there the idea what makes it really, truly special? Not just your artwork, not just your story, but something else. Well, I think you talked about the day or prayer cards that I, I include in my annual Christmas card. And I've probably been doing that for at least 15 years or more. But I found it uh, is a daily way for me to think about the people that are in my life and to be grateful for them. And so I take my address book and my Google calendar and each day I write the name of somebody on that Christmas card list into the calendar and then write their name on a little card for the day of prayer. But when I um, get up in the morning, Google is very uh, attentive and it reminds me of who I'm praying for that day. And it's such a joy to start my day that way, to be wrapped in prayer and to um, pray for the person's name that, that comes up on that calendar and to really offer my whole day as prayer um, you know, not just when I'm at Mass or not just formally when I'm in prayer, but, you know, sometimes during the day when I want to, uh, you know, be a little devious or, or uh, you know, tend to uh, do things that I might not be proud of. Sometimes I, I get a physical reminder of that person and I thought, you can't do that today. You're praying for Lavina or you're praying for so-and-so. Um, but it, <laughs> it's a good exam examination of conscience as well. Um, but anyway, it, it's it's proven uh, very fruitful, not just for me, but for others. And several times I get cards back from people saying that uh, uh, they're also praying for me on that day. Um, so it, it works both ways. But it's it's a beautiful, ordinary, daily reminder to hold people in prayer. Um, and that's another thing I think that um, I learned from you is, for me, sometimes my tendency, I guess, I think we're doing confession. <laughs> is I think it and, you know, like, can't you read my mind? You know, like, I'm thinking this, I'm feeling this, and I'm appreciating this. However, with you, you say it. Um, and actually, uh, some of those who have listened and watched the show, um, Father Adam uh, McDonald, uh, who's um, a divine um, 
oh my divine word <laughs> missionary is another person who you know and, and both of you are, are very busy in your lives in your ministry and yet you never fail to answer the list bits um, message and always remember people and and I love that because for me I'm so into like all my activities and things like that I forget like yeah I pray for this person and things like that but did I let that person know because sometimes it does make a difference and people that do that uh, witness that um, God's love because pe it, you know it reminds people that you are being thought of, you're being loved. And the first time that I received one of your special cards, I was like, oh my goodness, you know, I really feel the love. And I actually post your, you know, the date, like, oh, she's going to be praying for me. I'm praying for her too. But it's like, it's right on my board, um, you know, at, at my desk at, to remind me that, oh, somebody's going to be praying for me. So, you know, thank you for that. And I probably have never really thanked you enough. And if I did, um, you know, I want to just thank you again for that. Um, so now I would just like to um, ask you a little bit about, so your community, your charism of noticing God's presence in our daily lives as part of your charism and the way you live it out. You are international, right? And, and mm -hmm. you have sisters all over the world. Um, can you just uh, briefly mention where you are? And then I am really interested because as of um, the, well, this is being recorded um, today, uh, and today is, what, May 3rd? <laughs> and it's going to be uh, airing uh, Thursday morning. However, the important thing at this moment is being taped. Um, we are praying for Ukraine and your sisters. You normally pray the rosary with your sisters in Ukraine. So if you can also mention that, that would be great. Mm -hmm. We are in, as I said, 13 different countries uh, here in the United States. Um, we are mainly in Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, Ohio, um, Chicago, Texas, Connecticut, and New York. Um, we are one American province, but we are also in Italy, France, England, Spain, um, Poland, Ukraine, Russia, Kazakhstan, uh, the Philippines, Australia, and Ghana is our, our newest in 20, as of 2010. Um, so it, it's been uh, an interesting growth in the, in the 136 years that we've been in existence. Um, but as you mentioned about the Ukraine, when the war broke out, uh, a group of the sisters that are there uh, reached out to families that, uh, you know, they had been ministering to. And they, they believed that, you know, the rosary could be a source of peace and consolation and strength to them during this very frightening time in their lives. So they started this family rosary and uh, somehow, you know, it, they were live streaming it on Facebook and also by Zoom. And little by little, more sisters you know, we're hearing about it, and we started to say, we'd like to join you. And so, you know, at any given time, we might have 100 people on Zoom and Facebook Live uh, from all over the world, literally. Um, and that it's a daily prayer. We pray it every day here at 2 o'clock. In fact, right now, as we're taping this session, they're praying, and we will not stop praying. Um, we believe that no matter how... Uh, difficult things get that the prayer makes a difference and it brings peace. And so we had uh, folks from all over um, 
you know, joining us in that prayer. And it's really brought us together in a way that we never could have planned. Um, we, we try to support our, not only our sisters, but the people of the Ukraine and, and all those who are trying to help them, our sisters in Poland, Belarus, and other places who are uh, reaching out and, and trying to be helpful materially and spiritually. So it's been powerful. Well, thank you for that. And um, I join my prayer um, with all those um, who are out there and are still suffering um, the violence of the war. And uh, and actually, I did not realize when you're saying, I think what I remembered when you were mentioning the rosary, that it would be 9 p.m. And I'm thinking, oh, no, no, I think she said 9 p.m. their time. And so when I checked it out, and finally, when I researched um, some of the information for your community, it's actually 1 p.m. every day central time, and that would be 2 p.m. Eastern time. Mm -hmm. So we only have a minute left. Um, Sister Michelle, it went by so fast. Um, <laughs> do you have a message? Uh, I'm, I'm definitely going to have you back, but do you have any, any messages or um, uh, wisdom words for our listeners and viewers? Well, I think uh, as, as the show is celebrating the World Day of Prayer for Vocations, just a reminder that all of us are called. Every one of us has a vocation. And we spend a lifetime being people of discernment that, that hopefully are asking the question, not only what do I want, but what does God want from me? And God's dreams for us are beautiful and incredible, and they will take us to places where we could have never imagined finding us doing things we would never imagine. You know, whether we are ordained, religious, laymen and women, um, all of us are God's children. And the more that we see one another as one family in God, the brighter our lives will be. So happy World Day of Prayer for Vocations. Happy belated Brother's Day to all those wonderful men out there who have said yes to, to that vocation. And happy Mother's Day. That's right. And uh, Michael May is our uh, sound engineer right now. And also in, ter in terms of video, video organizer, I, I don't even know the term, but um, thank you to Mike. Uh, shout out to Mike because uh, he also would be one of the examples of living out his own vocation as a married person, as a father, and you know, as a husband. And uh, as friend around here, because that department of the radio TV, they are communicators. Uh, and so I always say, like, there's no way I can do this. Um, and this department really has supported me. And uh, you, Sister Michelle, has always been an inspiration. Thank you so much for joining us here. Um, so blessings on uh, your week. And let's uh, celebrate again on Sunday. Thank Amen. you. Thank you. We'll take a small God break bless. right now. My God, I am ready to begin. Here I am, I come to follow you. I've traveled long and far to follow you. A stranger and a pilgrim in this world. This journey will bring And you guide me faithfully To find a home in you Here I am Did I hear you call my name? Here I 
Did you know that Catholic Charities accepts car donations? If you're ready to free up space in your garage and put a stop to all those expenses that go along with owning a car, we will gratefully accept your donation, whether the car is running or not. You choose a pickup time that is convenient for you, and we will make the donation as easy as possible, free of charge. You'll receive a charitable donation receipt as well. We accept all types of vehicles nationwide, and you will know that your donation is made to Catholic Charities, an agency you can trust. To learn more about donating your car, call 877-786-4483. That's 877-786-4483. Thank you. This is Dare to Love Show, and I am your host, Sister Lavina Panet. Before the break, I was talking to Sister Michelle Fisher, a sister of the Holy Family of Nazareth. She was talking about how her community is present in various countries in the world, and especially in Ukraine, and how every single day at 1 p.m. Chicago time, the sisters of the Holy Family of Nazareth who are still remaining at U in Ukraine to help the families there, they offer a rosary prayer that is via Zoom. And so if you are interested in joining, you can search for nazarethfamily.org and add on your search uh, war in Ukraine. And at the bottom, you will find the link uh, to join by Zoom. If you could join in prayer for the people of Ukraine, during this war. And now, for those of you who are watching through our YouTube channel, you are correct. Yes, I have changed venues and my background. I am now going virtual uh, for this second part of the Dare to Love show. For our listeners, you won't see that I am no longer in the studio uh, recording there. Instead, I am doing this virtually because I also would like to share with you a recorded video interview with Brother Tim Smith, who is an Edmund Rice Christian brother. Here we go. Thank you, Sister Lavina. My name is Brother Tim Smith. I'm a member of the Congregation of Christian Brothers, founded by Blessed Edmund Rice in Ireland in uh, 1802. Welcome. Yes, uh, I actually went to Brother Rice High School in Chicago. Brother Rice being after our founder. And uh, so I came in contact with the brothers. Two important impressions for me. One was, first of all, my grandmother. I always knew my grandmother, my Polish grandmother, as a prayerful person. Um, often we would go to visit her. She'd be sitting in her chair with her old prayer book held together with rubber bands. And, you know, I didn't think about it until years later that that was something that I saw in the brothers. Of course, we started every class with a prayer. And I think it was more not that we prayed, but that how the brothers who taught me how they prayed, I think that made the impression on me. And the second thing was, I was really impressed 
by the way that they interacted. I enjoyed having the brothers in class, the, uh, just the way they related to students. But when I went to high school, the brothers had habits on in school during the day. But if there was a baseball game outside on the field or something, the brothers were dressed like normal people. And that had an impression on me as well. The way I see our vocation as brother is that it is relational, as brother would be to anyone, to another man, to another woman, to be brother to them. If you look at the ministries that we are doing today, many of us minister in ways that weren't necessarily intended by our founders or foundresses. And I think that's because we as brothers and sisters, since we don't have strong hierarchical structure, we can respond to needs in the world, not just in the church, but in the world much faster. But even our founder did, did stuff like feeding the, the, the poor. He fed the kids who came to his school. He went out and uh, he was fortunate that even though the British government was in control of the jails, that he was able to actually do jail or prison ministry in his day. We feel confident that we as brothers, even faithful to our congregation, can reach out and fulfill any need that may arise. And again, because we're brothers and we don't have a hierarchical structure, we can do that quickly. Was there a particular brother that inspired you? And, and then how did your vocation uh, to becoming a brother evolve from that? I had one brother who taught me two classes. He taught me geometry as a sophomore, and he taught me physics as a senior. Now, he was one particularly that, again, I, I didn't notice know what I was seeing or experiencing, but I thought about it later. When he prayed, he was very intent on prayer. So he was, it was a surprise to, to have this man who's teaching math and science and seemed so prayerful. The other thing is, is that as a lot of kids, uh, I think in kind of late in the sophomore year, you begin to see the differences between you and your classmates. And so towards the end of my sophomore year, I realized that I thought math was easy, <laughs> you know, and a lot of kids didn't. And then started into junior year, I began to think, as a lot of junior year kids in high school kind of imagined, well, where am I going to go after this? And, and I was thinking I would become a civil engineer because I like engineering. I like to know how things work. And I thought civil engineer because I wanted to build big things. Well, as it turns out, as I was in my junior year, I started thinking about, well, would I want to be a brother? And I said, I don't think so because I want to be an engineer. And the brothers are engineers, they're teachers. And as the year went on, I began to think differently. I began to say, well, brothers are teachers. How would I like to be a teacher? And then I, I thought, well, all right, all right. I'll have to change my dream for myself. And here's what my dream will be. Instead of building that big bridge, I could say some year I could say, you see that big bridge? I taught the guy who built that bridge. And that would be the way my dream would be fulfilled. Now, as the years have gone by and I've taught in different schools and I've done different ministries, I spent three years uh, in Indian reservation in Arizona. I spent eight years in parish ministry. The thing that I discover in my vocation is that fortunately through leadership, when leadership asks us to do something different, it really is a respect of seeing the gifts that we and talents that we have. And really the, the leadership is calling on us to use those gifts, even if we don't see them in ourselves. But as I went from ministry to ministry to location to location, I found out that yes, new things were drawn out of me. And I think that's an important part of religious life that maybe gets overlooked by people considering it, that we have leadership guided by the Holy Spirit who invite us to, to try new things in new places, but they only do it when they see certain gifts within us that they're draw, drawing on to invite us to try something new. So my vocation story has been varied, but 
surprisingly, as I look back, I always say, well, you know, being there helped me in the next place, in the next place. And so each phase of my ministerial life has drawn me into something new and helped me to discover new gifts within myself so, so that I become really more and more fulfilled as my life goes on. How did you know that you, did you talk to anyone uh, as part of your discernment? What was helpful for you? One of the most telling events in my life came from a, a, a place that I didn't expect it. And that was, I was on a double date one night, you know, typical teenagers, juniors in high school, would go out and see a movie and, and stop and have pizza after the movie before we headed home. And I remember very distinctly, we're sitting around the, the table at the pizza place. And I said to my three friends, I said, you know, I think I might want to be a brother someday. And of all people, my girlfriend, she said, yeah, that sounds like something you might do. You know, we knew each, each other well enough in high school that she saw that in me. So, so even she encouraged me in that way uh, to give it a try, to, to follow it up and see what happens. That's a wonderful story uh, during a date. That's I don't think I've heard of that uh, vocation, part of a vocation oh. story before. That's great. Tell us a little bit about maybe your the future of your community, how your community sees yourself in the future, and then uh, maybe talk a little bit about community life. A little while ago, I mentioned about how we dress. We may not look like brothers. We began to really look intently at what does it mean to be brother and how are we brothers? And I guess one of some place along the way, we, we became much more conscious about instead of how are we doing things as brother, how are we being brother? And, and, and it was interesting because instead of just looking outward in our ministries, how are we brother to the people we minister to, we became more intent on how are we brother to each other in the communities in which we live. And so to answer your question about that piece, uh, I think we become much more conscious and aware of each other. Now, again, one of the realities of religious life is that we have uh, aging members. We have more older members proportionately than we did when I joined the congregation. And so some of us younger brothers are having to help care for the younger. Now, I don't mean in a big way, but just be, being attentive to their needs, you know, some little things that, that we might have to, to help them with along the way, like in our, my community, there are five of us. Uh, we take turns cooking. Well, obviously, the older brother, we, we've relieved him of, of that duty, for example. Okay, So I think that the way we live together as brothers in smaller numbers and in aging communities, we're much more intent on being attentive to each other. Uh, when, when we were large communities, you know, let's say I lived in a community of 20, I probably spent most time with the five youngest guys when I was one of the five youngest guys. And they really didn't get to know the old men. I, I mean, I would live in a community and not even know if, if one of my brothers had siblings or if parents were still alive. Now in my communities, I know a lot more about my other brothers because, as I said, we're much more intent on being brother to each other. But would you say Asia, Latin America, Africa, would you have younger members there? Or where would you have uh, more brothers joining as new members? In the United States, we've been fortunate that we, we have a member, maybe a new member every few years, we get a new candidate. But the place of growth for us are two places. One is India, where we've had brothers for a number of years, a lot of years. And then the new place, of course, is Africa. Um, uh, we have communities of brothers in Africa from the United States, as well as from uh, Europe and India. 
So we've had brothers from three different what we call provinces come down to Africa and help to develop ministries of our brothers in Africa. And that's where we have had great success with new vocations. How important do you think is that vocation awareness education to everyone? That God calls us, and I always love to use the quote that Jesus, you know, I call you to the fullness of life. So how do we live fullness of life? And, and my response is by doing what God created us to do, whatever vocation that might be. The, the few individuals who feel called to religious life, uh, it's easier for them to respond to it. But, but I think that we, we always need to keep talking about the fact that there are vocations to religious life today, to priesthood, sisters, and brothers. You know, it's not as if God stopped calling. It's that God and people have stopped responding. God tapped Abraham on the shoulder, and Abraham turned around. Now, before God tapped Abraham, he might have tapped a whole bunch of people on their shoulders, but they never turned around. And that's what I like to think of vocation. Vocation is God tapping us on the shoulder to get our attention so that God can invite us to do something with our life, whatever we're called to by God. But to recognize that it is a call, and every one of us is called. So that was Brother Tim Smith. We thank him for his, for his participation in agreeing to do this interview. We celebrate and pray for our religious brothers. Um, on May 1st, every year, we celebrate Religious Brothers Day. So uh, for those of you um, young men who might be getting the call to the vocation of a religious brother, please don't hesitate to reach out to the Edmund Rice Christian Brothers and also other communities um, that do welcome and invite a new membership in their communities as a brother. And now before we close, I would like to offer a prayer as we celebrate uh, this weekend, World Day of Prayer for Vocation, for young people and for all those who are discerning their vocation, that life, they will hear the call of God in their lives, that they will have the courage to respond to that call. And for all of us, that we will be faithful in living out our own vocation in life, that the Spirit will guide us through our daily lives as we respond to our vocation as married, single, religious, or and ordained. for all others who serve in the church, as lay ecclesial ministers, and those who just simply offer their lives in service of others. This we ask through Christ our Lord. Amen. If you're sensing God's call in your life, don't be afraid to reach out. You can contact us by going to our website, which is www vocationscava.org. Thank you so much for joining. May you have peace in your life and may you be blessed. Goodbye.